You're listening to High Impact Influence, the podcast. Today is Sunday, October the 31st, 2021. How do you find your way back? Welcome inside the Yellow Studio. My name is Randy Cantrell. I'm your host here. Find the show notes and all the episodes and other useful resources at the website, growgreat.com. How do you find your way back? Uh, the question assumes that you once were there, wherever there may be. I'm a hockey fan. Through the years, I have watched countless NHL players who have battled injury to get back into the lineup and you could apply this to any of your favorite sports each year one team lifts the stanley cup and then you hear about all of the off-season surgeries players sometimes play in every game of a playoff run with injuries that would prevent well they would prevent most of us from reporting to a desk job Surgery followed by extensive physical therapy to regain the strength necessary to get back into the lineup, get back on the ice in the case of hockey. Now, physically, I can't relate at all. I mean, come on, relating to a a professional athlete, it's impossible for a guy like me. I can relate to getting back to something, though. I've had a few orthopedic surgeries. Uh, as they would say in hockey, all of them upper body injuries, uh, shoulders, elbows. The physical therapy that we ordinary mere mortal humans endure, it can be hard. It's doable, but it can be, it can be, well, it can be grueling. I cannot imagine, though, the rigors of being a professional athlete trying to fight your way back onto an NHL roster after you have suffered some significant injury that has required surgery. But there are other kinds of stresses as well. There's mental and emotional states. You know, there's getting back to an improved place. For the athlete who is injured, it's getting back to an improved physical state so they can be competitive in their respective sports. But for all of us, it could be this mental, emotional state, a state that we've maybe once experienced, but somehow we lost it. And we need to find a way to get back to this improved place. Talent and skill, those will not exclusively serve us to get us unstuck, to help us grow, to help us improve, to help us find our way back. If it would, then, well, as I'm hitting the record button, we're in the midst of the World Series. Pitchers get into slumps. Batters get into slumps. Even fielders can get into a slump. People that were and are magnificent talent-wise, skill-wise. I mean, you think they just suddenly forgot how to hit a baseball? Or the pitcher forgot how to hit the strike zone? No. Talent and skill just don't always serve us to unstick us experience that won't always do it either it requires something more something more but what 
Well, that's for us to figure out. That's for you to figure out for yourself. It's for all of us to figure out for ourselves and to find our way back, which might be more appropriately a way forward. And you can look at it however you choose to look at it. For some, it's getting back to a state where we once were better than we are now. But for others, it's about improving our circumstances and maybe completely moving forward into unchartered territory. All of this represents the exact same thing, growth, improvement. It was years ago, uh, but it doesn't seem so long ago to me. I'm in a locker room with a team that I'm coaching, a team that I loved. Well, truth is I've, I've loved just about every team I've ever coached. But this team was different. This team was special. This is a bunch of college guys playing roller hockey for the University of Texas at Arlington. We've been together at this point for four years. The team is winding down as far as this group goes. My commitment is winding down. We have experienced far more success than failure. In fact, regionally, we have experienced nothing but extraordinary success. But at the annual national tournament, a tournament that we have qualified for every year, we have come up against teams who were just simply better than we were. Our talent, excellent. Our skill, excellent. And just not quite enough to really be elite. Reality stings when it hits you in the face as defeat. Sports psychology dates back to at least the 1920s. Some date it back to the late 1800s. It wasn't until the late 1970s that sports psychology began to morph into a professional science-based practice. I think for most of us in the mainstream, especially people that are as old as I am, in 1974, W. Timothy Galway, he was a one-time captain of the Harvard tennis team he published a book that kind of changed everything the inner game of tennis in fact the inner game of fill in the blank kind of entered almost daily vocabulary the inner game this mental game the book was an outgrowth of galway the author of his experience learning about meditation and how meditating helped him concentrate more on his tennis performance. And for many of us, as I said, it was our real introduction to this whole kind of a notion of sports psychology. Sports psychology is defined as a proficiency that uses psychological knowledge and skills to address optimal performance and well-being of athletes developmental and social aspects of sports participation and systematic issues associated with sports settings and organizations. Well, that's a whole bunch of verbiage. <laughs> sports psychology is, I would define it. I think the title of that book is probably best. It, it's the inner game. It's the inner game of the sport, whatever the sport may be. In short, it's the art, it's the science of helping athletes figure out how to move forward to improve their performance. It may or may not have anything to do with mechanics or physical things, but it got everything to do with your headspace. And that's exactly what executive coaching is all about. 
It's about helping executives and leaders and bosses figure out how to move forward to improve their performance. Likewise, how to improve the performance of their group, their team, their organization. Sometimes it's helping an executive figure out how to forge new paths forward. But other times it's about helping a seasoned executive figure out how to get back to a prior level of high performance that somewhere along the way, it just kind of got lost. It's all the same to help improve existing performance to something higher, something better. There are a few things that can help us find our way back or forward to improve performance. And that's really what I want to talk to you about. First of all, We have to face ourselves knowing that we are simultaneously the problem and the solution. We are all vexed with bouts of doubt and fear and anxiety, and it doesn't matter that we work hard to never show it because privately you and I both know we have a variety of demons that plague us and most of them self-generated. Now, we could argue all day long about how logical they are and why we know what we know, and we know that these are very valid concerns, but most often the reality is these are things that exist in our head. Our mental vision, which may have once been our strength, it might now be our weakness. You ever hear somebody on TV talk about some professional athlete? I mean, you hear it during this World Series. You hear it during nearly every professional game that is called you know they're in their head too much they're they're thinking too much they need to just relax they need to just chill they need to just go out and play well that all sounds easy doesn't it but you've been in those situations at work you've been in those situations where it's like well can you just get out can you just tell yourself to get out of your head (laughs) no it'd be like me telling you Listen, I want you to think about anything that you want to think about, but I do not want you to think about a purple elephant. Well, now all you can think about is a purple elephant. I'm real fascinated when I watch coaches. You know, there are a number of series that are done about various teams, you know, whether it's hard knocks, which I think is an HBO thing, you know, about, I think the last one they did, wasn't that on the Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys? You know, they kind of go behind the scenes and how much of that is contrived. I don't know, but it's interesting, right? It's, we, we enjoy seeing behind the scenes and it's real fascinating to me to watch and to listen to coaches and how coaches focus on whatever it is they focus on. And I'm most interested that some coaches really focus on the thing that needs to be fixed while other coaches tend to put a more positive spin on things and really encourage the thing that needs to happen as opposed to the, the thing that we need to avoid. It's just interesting to me. I'm not judging it one way or the other. I do have a personal opinion, and my opinion is, hey, let's soar with our strengths. Yeah, do we need to minimize our weaknesses? Of course. Ah, but it seems to me that in my own coaching practice, I'm I feel way more, uh, helpful is the proper word. I feel way more helpful to encourage people toward a behavior as opposed to trying to just stay focused on 
avoid this. Don't do that. Now, one of the most common occurrences in my coaching is the day that the client confesses they now see something they did not see before. And sometimes the client will remark they've never seen it this particular way before. Other times they'll tell me that they have recaptured seeing something clearly full well knowing that they lost track of it. They lost sight of it somewhere along the way. They can't even tell you exactly where or why, but they forgot it and now they remember it. And in either case, it's a light bulb moment where almost everything changes. Now there's no predictable pattern really to when these moments might arrive for some, they can happen sooner than for others. But for clients who are willing to put in the work, I can tell you this. It always happens. I mean, always. It's, it, it's almost a phenomenal thing to me that a client is going to reach a point and it clicks. It just clicks. Well, you've experienced that. We've all experienced that. We love those moments where it just clicks. We respond in one of two ways to the reality that we are accountable for our own outcomes. Lots of people, I will go so far as to tell you that most people, most people hide. Most people run, right? It's that whole flee or fight response turns mostly into fleeing. I mean, just as fast as you can just run, 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 run to hide from accepting any responsibility for anything, you know, fearful really fearful about looking inside themselves because frankly, we can find more comfort sometimes in being a victim. So that way we can avoid feeling any blame for our situation or responsibility. Hockey, like most sports and frankly, any other endeavor in life, it, there's a degree of luck. I mean, there just is, you know, sometimes the puck takes an unfortunate bounce for your team. While it takes a fortunate bounce for your opponent, every player, every coach has experienced this, and it doesn't really matter what sport you, you, you play low performing, mediocre teams, even average teams and players tend to look at these kinds of things completely out of my control, just beyond my control. I I've heard it all my life. You know, we just need a, a bit of a break. We just need a lucky bounce here or there. They might say. The top level players, the highest performing teams will always talk about what they need to do more, what they need to do better. Yes, they're painfully aware that there are lucky and unlucky bounces, but they'll say, you know, we have to work harder or we have to be willing to battle near the goal rather than focus on the bad luck and rather than focus on what they can't do, they focus on what can we do? What can we do to improve our opportunities to give us an improved chance for success? Losers hide. Winners don't. Facing oneself is the scariest but most profitable thing. It's where rare people willingly go because it is where most of us would rather not go. And the rare exceptional people, they do what most are unwilling to do. It's easier to avoid it, easier to run away, easier to hide. 
all the while believing that, you know, my, my failure, it's not because of anything I'm doing. It's not because of anything I'm neglecting to do. It's, it's not my fault. That's how the masses prefer to live, opting for short-term good feelings about themselves over long-term improvement. Number two, we have to forget who and what, and we got to focus on now what. Let me explain. Victims concentrate on, well, who has wronged me? Whose fault is this? Who can I blame? And what circumstances have happened to me that, that are beyond my control that I didn't, it's not my fault. Winners jettison all of that kind of thinking in favor of trying to figure out now, what do I need to do? What's my very next step? What's my response to this going to be? Whenever we ask the question, now what? It focuses us on the next thing we can do to move forward, even if moving forward means getting back to something that we might now be neglecting. We maybe we forgot about it. Some basic thing, perhaps, that over time we abandoned it, maybe not even knowingly. I was in my late 20s when a seasoned business person, a person that I respected immensely for his business acumen, he said to me, you're a very strategic thinker. Now, I wasn't quite sure what that meant. It sounded like a compliment, and I kind of took it that way, but I asked him to explain to me what he meant by that. And he went on to tell me, in his opinion, how rare it was for somebody my age, I was young, for somebody that my age and based on his experience to think ahead the way he saw me think ahead. And I just assured him that it was not something that I consciously did. It was not just some brilliance on my part. I told him that it felt mostly, it was just kind of how I, I saw the world. And we talked a lot about consequences. And that was something that I told him I have always I've always asked myself, what's the worst thing that can happen? And I've also always asked myself, what's the best thing that can happen? I just have always, from the time I was a kid, I could, I don't remember a time that I didn't think about the consequences. And I attribute it largely to how I was raised. Well, he encouraged me to continue that practice because in his estimation, it's an enormous competitive edge. And as we talked about business strategy and thinking ahead, he was curious why I wasn't paralyzed by vetting every conceivable option. And it was the first time I remember saying out loud, I just focus on the next step. I wanted then, and I still do today to get the very next step as right as I possibly can. And then I just want to replicate it and do it again and then do it again and then do it again until I reach whatever goal I'm aiming for. I mean, come on. It would be terrific if we knew every step ahead of, ahead of time. I mean, wouldn't that be great? But anybody courageous enough to try anything new, to go places where they've not yet been, it's just not possible. It's not possible. It might work. It might fail. But until we do the very next thing, we're never going to know. So we give it a go. Number three, we have to figure out 
for ourselves when to keep going and when to quit. Among the many reasons that my coaching rarely involves advice giving is that it's not my life. It is my client's life. I'm talking to you. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of you as a client. I care about you. I want you to succeed, but it's your life. It's not my life. I'm not some guru. I'm not some pundit who's going to say, you need to do this. You need to do that. I don't know what you need to do. You need to figure it out. I know that much because guess what? We all need to figure it out. And that's the work. That's what we're all doing. We are all somewhere on the timeline of our life and our career. We are trying to figure it out. One of the toughest challenges that we all face is knowing when we've given it enough of an effort and when we need to keep pushing forward. The Clash, hey, they've, they've got this famous song about it. Should I stay or should I go? <laughs> well, it's, man, it's a grand question. Should I stay or should I go? Only you can decide. Yeah, sure, of course. Other people like me as a coach, other people can help you figure it out. But you got to go back to that first point. You have to be willing to face yourself and accept responsibility for everything. Some questions they can help. Let me give you a few. If you quit now, will you regret it? If you quit now, will you regret it? If you don't quit now, are you willing to invest whatever resources are necessary to keep going? If you don't quit now, are you willing to invest whatever resources are necessary to keep on going? What signs do you have that this thing, it's not likely going to ever work? What signs do you have that this isn't likely going to ever work? What signs do you have that this just might work if you keep going? What signs do you have that this just might work if you keep going? The bottom line to all of this is do more of what works and less of what doesn't. Many years ago, I'm sitting across from another CEO. He's struggling with some particular marketing challenge. And I suddenly ask him mostly out of curiosity, have you tried anything that worked better than anything else? And he thought for a second or two and he said, yeah, we, we did X, Y, Z. He told me the specific things that they had tried in the past and experienced some success. And so I followed it up and said, and what worked better about that than anything else? He said, well, you know, here's what happened. And frankly, it worked fairly well. And I said, well, what happened? He went on to tell me how the marketing team just, they kept looking for something that might work even better. And on further inquiry, it turned out that the team executed the strategy that worked better than anything else for six weeks. Six weeks. Now, those of you that are familiar with marketing, you know that six weeks isn't long at all. I mean, truth is, in a lot of circles, six weeks doesn't even qualify as a good beta test, much less a well-executed strategy. Here is a fellow CEO. He's a peer. He's not a client. This was years ago. And at that moment, I jokingly, but quite seriously, I encouraged him with this statement, do more of what work and stop doing these things that aren't working. And we both kind of chuckled. I wasn't being snarky, which I am want to do, 
I was being dead serious, knowing how blindingly obvious the statement was, and it still is. And these many years later, I can tell you that I have seen it play out over and over and over again. People pursuing some new, better answer only to realize you might have had the answer once before, but you left it. You stopped doing it. I mean, man alive, how many times do we hear coaches talk about their teams just needing to get back to basics? You've got these highly paid professional athletes. They get in a slump. They don't forget how to hit. They don't forget how to field. They don't forget how to pitch. They don't forget how to throw. They don't forget how to tackle. They don't forget how to run. But something's going on. Might be time to get back to what once worked better than anything else. Sometimes we have to find our way back to success. Back, forward, by now you understand they are the same thing. They represent growth, improvement, progress. It is the art of getting better. It is the stuff of making sure that we do everything we can to have high impact influence in our careers, our teams, and our organizations. The website is growgreat.com. My name is Randy Cantrell. Be well, do good, grow great. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio.